0: Well good morning. I want to welcome each and every one of you this morning to Paradise Valley Christian Church. I am so glad you're here. My name is Charles Gwynn. I'm one of the pastors on staff here at PV. And again, just welcome. If you're joining us for the first time... Uh, You kind of jumped in on a Sunday that doesn't normally look like this, but we are celebrating uh, Pastor appreciation. I'm so grateful and thankful for this body as they have come around myself and my family and uh, just loved on us, and we appreciate that so much. I'm also very thankful for our eldership. There's uh, seven elders, a part of this congregation, that are leading and uh, moving us forward, and uh, so continue to lift our pastors, our elders, our shepherds up in prayer uh, moving forward because uh, they are the ones that uh, are, are desiring to be obedient to God's leading in their lives. And so uh, very, very, s- my words are somewhat coming to me, somewhat not this morning, but I, I just want to, on behalf of Larry Berlin, uh, Tommy Clay, and myself, and all of our wives, again, just thank you so much for all the outpouring of love, encouragement, uh, cards, gifts, uh, just this morning, we got to—I didn't know—I kind of knew something was up from Wednesday night. Something was showing up uh, on some of these video messages, and uh, I'm just grateful for those words of encouragement this morning on those video messages. Those are priceless. Um, those are those are things that, as uh, we move together as a as a body, of believers that we're we're doing what God is calling us to do, which is build one another up, and so. Uh, If you are, again, brand new here with us this morning, thanks for taking the time to be here. If you feel like you're jumping in on, like, a family reunion, like, what's going on, okay? Just stick around, like Tommy said, long enough where you get to be part of the family reunion, all right? And so, uh, if, if again, we're, we're going through a, just a two-week mini-series. Uh, we've been going through the gospel according to Mark, and we're doing that basically the whole year. But every once in a while, we're going to stop and do a few little things here and there. And so, in the month of October, like I mentioned last week, we're doing a financial fitness mini-series. And again, week in, week out, I really appreciate uh, the, the guys that come up here and share just... Uh, just meditations on this idea of giving back to God and so I don't I don't we don't have to do too much with this but I do just want to just bring to our minds as we finish out again like I said last week our fiscal year for the church here moving into November as we start the new year Uh, and just as we get closer to a time of the season's Uh, Throughout the year where we spend a lot of time focusing on giving, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and just all those type of things, we just don't want you to be overwhelmed. We want you lining up with what God wants for you in every area of your life including your finances so we're talking about this idea of financial fitness and again last week I shared from the life of Abraham you can always go online or YouTube and check those uh, past messages out but it's this idea of how God will provide at times maybe when we don't even know how he's going to provide but we have to be willing to be obedient and we also have to be willing to trust in Him. And so I kind of want to piggyback off last week's message. So you're going to kind of hear a few of the similar things uh, intertwined throughout today's message that has to do also with last week's message. And and I would just want to share another example when it comes to God's provision. And this is an example from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1-7. through And so if you want to turn there in your Bibles, it's in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Okay, and if you have my Bible, you're on page around three hundred and five. Okay, three hundred five. If you have my Bible, and so we're going to be in Second Kings chapter four, verses one through seven. As you, as we look at her story this morning, I really want us to look at four lessons that we can learn from her and, and what she's going through as we then apply it in our own lives when it maybe comes to some financial struggles at times that we might be dealing with. Because I really think the reality of this life is that very few of us can kind of miss those financial struggles at times in our lives. The reality in a body of believers uh, this size online as well, good morning if I haven't said that, that there's always going to be things that take place in our lives from a financial standpoint that are a struggle and some of the most frustrating things that we can deal with in life is is a mountain of debt being poured on our lives and the stress that comes from that and trying to to cover bills and even in my own life you know when, as we have kids we have medical bills and sometimes we think you know one bill is getting paid and we thought that this thing was getting covered here and well I thought that went through here this insurance or that and pretty soon we're getting notices that say hey you know you owe us money you're like what do you mean we owe you know and those, those are kind of stressful things and and maybe you've experienced in small ways where you've got behind on on a bill that took place in your life and You're trying to get caught up and you have creditors calling and and asking when are you going to get to pay this and you're trying to figure things out and and some of you might have even have had experiences or known of individuals that have had foreclosures on homes or have repossessed vehicles and and those kind of things just kind of weigh us down. It brings stress to our lives and that's not how God wants us to live. God wants us to live free in Him and a lot of folks, they, they deal with financial strain and this morning as we look through 2nd Kings 4 1 through 7 you know a lot of us maybe have dealt with some major financial strain in our life but in a lot of ways nothing would even begin to compare to what this woman is going through because as we look into 2nd Kings 4 beginning verse 1 we see that this widow is crying out Her husband has just died. And some of you even here in this congregation are still dealing with raw emotions of losing a spouse. And it might be that you've lost that spouse 5, 10, 20 years ago. Or it might be that you've lost that spouse 5, 10 months or so ago. And and the pain and the sorrow and the mourning that, that this woman is going through. And as she's going through this, she's also on top of that is this addition of being financially strained to the point where it says there in verse 1 where she cries out to Elisha, My husband is dead. And the creditor it, has come. And you can hear the emotion in her voice because the creditor hasn't come just to take her stuff, but her creditor, the creditor has come to take her her sons and i don't believe that this woman here in second kings 4 that she's over exaggerating that the the seriousness of her situation in fact she is going through one of the most difficult times in her life that she's ever faced and she needed some help she desperately needed some help and uh, it kind of reminds me of a story and this is a joke so I'm trying to lighten things up a little bit here but I, I read of a woman who who telephoned a friend and, and she asked the friend how she was doing and on the other line the other end of the phone the the other woman said terrible things are going terrible Uh oh, man I have a splitting headache my back hurts my legs are just in pain my house is a mess. My kids are going crazy. Everything is just falling apart around me. And and the woman that called, she says to the distraught woman, she says, Okay, well, I'm gonna don't you worry, just go take go to go to another room, just just breathe deeply, I'm going to come over, I'm going to make sure that everything is taken care of, I'm going to cook you a meal, I'm going to clean up your house, I'm going to make sure that your t- kids are taken care of, all you need to do is I just want to make sure you have some time to rest, and whew, wow, that, that was sounding really nice to the lady, and, and, and the first lady, she says, well, and, and how's your husband Tom doing? And the f- second lady that got the call, she says, well, I, I don't have a husband Tom, the first lady said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I must have dialed the wrong number. And, and after a long pause, the other woman on the other end of the line says, well, are you still coming over? <laughs> she needed help. She needed some help. And, and, and I believe here in 2 Kings 4, this woman, she needed some help. And some of you this morning, you're coming here and you have a smile on your face but deep down inside, you know you need some help. And I don't know exactly what that is this morning. It might be financial. It might be some other area of your life. But you need some help this morning as we study this passage. I want us to learn four lessons when it comes to facing financial struggle and in a lot of ways they apply in all of the areas of our lives. Will you pray with me? God, this morning, may you continue to guide our thoughts, our direction this morning, that your Holy Spirit would lead us in your word and that we'd hear from you. And not only would we hear it, but we would apply it. May we be open to your Holy Spirit's leading. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you are willing and able this morning, will you stand with me as we read from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7? The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And again, the desperation in her voice, you can just hear it. Verse 2, Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it, put it to one side. She left him and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons, They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. You may be seated. There's a lot going on in this passage, and the things that I want you to really see here is the very first thing is that this, from this woman's example, she went to the right source, didn't she? She went to the place where she knew that she was going to get some help. And sometime around 1940, a, a Mississippi singing school teacher named J.B. Coates published a song in this Staps Baxter hymnal entitled, Where Could I Go?, And the first verse goes like this Living below in this old sinful world, hardly a comfort can afford. Striving alone to face temptation sore, where could I go but to the Lord? The chorus Where could I go? Oh, where could I go? Seeking a refuge for my soul, needing a friend to help me in the end, where could I go but to the Lord? See, this poor widowed mother comes to Elisha, and she comes to Elisha knowing essentially that Elisha represents God. He he is God's representative, and so she goes to Elisha knowing that she's going to the source that she needs to put her faith and her trust in. Where else could she go? And I think about it in our our own lives, where else really could we go except to the Lord? She got it right, and so she gets right to the point, and she goes to someone that she can trust, and she depends on God for her situation. She doesn't badmouth the creditor, she she doesn't blame her situation on somebody else. And she doesn't even take the time to shake her fist at God. She just goes to God and says, God, I need you. I need you, God. And I wonder how many of us have taken the time to just cry out to God and say, I need you. There's nowhere else that I can go. I can't go to my spouse that I've tried, and they're human like me. They can't fill me up. I can't go to, to the financial things that I think that always are going to take care of me because they, you know, fall short. I need you, God. And many times when we are in need, we seek the help of anything and anyone except for God. We miss out on going to the source, and that happens in my own life. I shared a couple of weeks ago trying to get back from Mexico, don't have a plane ticket. Of course, what do I do? I'm a man. I'm going to go, and we're going to get this figured out, right? And what, what does my wife do? She's a woman. She prays, right? <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, why didn't I pray first? You know, what, why didn't, you know, and, and so we mess up sometimes. We go to the wrong sources And God's saying, hey, come to me. Part of why we give back to God week in and week out as a church is so that we can go and and we can help the needs of those within this church body and, and those outside in our community because of your giving. We are meeting the needs, both physical and spiritual, of individuals week in and week out. You see, there's people that are coming to the church as the source of provision in their lives. And because of you and your generosity, we can provide for that. And it happens pretty much every week. You know, you you might think, well, it doesn't happen that much. No, there's a guy here this past week. His name started with an M. I know the rest of it, but I'm not going to say who it is. You don't know him, probably. But just a guy off the street came in, needed help. Because of you and your giving, They can go to the source to provide provision to the church, his people, to going to God. And no matter what financial struggles that you might be facing, I would encourage you to go to the source, to go to God in prayer, to come to the church as family, knowing that we can depend on one another, that we don't have to be shamed because oh man I'm struggling in this area we're having a tough time here no we're here for one another we're available to one another and so again the first lesson I want you to see from this woman's life is she went to the right place for provision second lesson we learn from this woman's example is that the financial solution may begin with what God has already given us and not What we think we need I don't know how to shorten that down for you but basically what it is is that sometimes we think that hey God you need to provide this this and this and then I'm gonna be taken care of and and in this woman's life God is saying hey what do you have what do you already have that I've given you and I love this question Elisha asked this widow in verse 2 says what do you have in your house and as I began to think about what her response might have been I thought about this idea how she was probably thinking well I don't don't have anything. There's nothing of any value in my home. In fact, uh, if I just had a better job, if I just had some more money, I wouldn't even be in this situation. You know, things wouldn't be as dire as they currently are. And when it comes to our finances, I think that we can be kind of getting to that mentality. That God, if you would just provide this, this, and this, or if I could just have a better job, or if if I had more money, then I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in. And I want to challenge us that it's it's not about making more money. It's about spending less money, right? Because a lot of times we can't determine, we don't know exactly how much money we're always going to make, but we do have control over how much money we spend a lot of times. I think sometimes we have the mentality that a lot of people do when it comes to, hey, guess guess how much money I saved? I got this item 50% off, right? Anybody, anybody heard that at your house before, right? And, and I'm always thinking, when I hear that at my house, I'm thinking, guess what? If we hadn't bought it at all, we could have saved 100%, right? <laughs> Amen. Amen, right? Yeah, yeah so, okay. Some of you guys are like, hey, was. Well, The key is, though, I, I think sometimes we, we struggle with just being content. And we've discussed this before. What we have to do, is we have to focus on what God has already provided for us in our hands instead of what we think we need or what we don't have. And, and my wife, she is really, really good at this week in and week out. She prepares meals, you know, for 10 of us in our home. And she does an amazing job at just making sure she's using what she currently already has. It was just a great example as I was thinking through this widow and what God is calling us to do to take what we have and use what we have. There's weeks on end that my wife will not go to the store because she wants to use up everything in our cupboards, in our refrigerator, in our freezer. Because as Americans, we really have a lot. And there's times where that doesn't always go over real well in our home, you know? Like the meals that she puts together, like they're, they're edible, they're good, but there's not what we want, right? What we think we should have, like, oh man, I, I wanted pizza. Well, no, we're using this up, you know? And so there's times in my home where that doesn't always sit well with everyone as we sit around the table. But the reality is, is that are we being fed? Yeah. We're being taken care of, and I think there's times when it comes to us and God, we're like, God, that's not what I wanted. I wanted pizza tonight, or I wanted this, or I want that, and and God's saying, yeah, but what do you have? What do you already have that I've given you? Are you content with that? Philippians 4, verse 12, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And many of our financial concerns could easily be remedied if we would just acknowledge and be thankful for what we've already received from God because he can take the little that we have And do so much with it. And so Elisha simply asked her, what do you have to work with? And the widow says, nothing. I I have absolutely nothing. Which as it turns out, that wasn't quite true. She had a little bit of oil. And oftentimes in difficult situations, we can be blinded to the truth of what God has already given us and the resources that we already actually have. And, and she had a little bit of oil. And in our culture, we try to stay away from high amounts of oil. We don't want our arteries clogged, right? But in this culture, oil was something that was very valuable. It was an expensive commodity that was freely traded. In John chapter 12, verses 3 through 5, we read of Mary who took a pint of oil and poured it on Jesus' feet. This made Judas gasp because he knew it was worth about a year's wages. And as you go throughout scripture, oil was used in lamps to provide light in homes. It was used in cooking, similar to how we use butter today. It served as a cosmetic, it was used as an ointment for injuries. It was offered as part of the sacrificial system, it was used to anoint kings. It was used to prepare bodies for burial, and perhaps this widow was saving the small amount of oil that she still had for her own funeral. It symbolized ab- abundance, as stated in Jeremiah 31.12, where it says, They will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the oil. And To not have much oil was humiliating and a sign that God had withheld blessing. Oil also symbolized joy in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3, where it's referred to as the oil of gladness. And so with all of this in mind, when it came to this idea of oil, this widow, she had lost her joy. She had lost her joy, and she was humiliated by all the hurt that she had been through, and and her oil was running out. She only had just a little bit left, and she's told to take that little bit that she has and do something with it because what she had, it was enough for God. That little bit that she had, it was enough for God. You see, when the young boy offered his Lunchable in John 6 to the Lord, it it ended up feeding 5,000 men. Samson took a jawbone as his, his only weapon and struck down a thousand men. And, and I wondered this morning, what do you have right now that God wants to use for kingdom growth? You might say, well, I don't really have much. I don't really have much of anything financially or, you know, socially or, you know, emotionally. I'm just poured out. I, just, I, feel, I feel like my cup is empty And God is saying, but do you have a little bit? Do you you have just even a little bit? Because if you're willing to surrender even just that little bit, God can multiply it. And so God would ask us to first look for the solution in what we have, not in what we don't have. Because you have more than you think when you offer that little bit That you do have to God. The third lesson we learn from this woman's example is that we must be willing to submissively do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, are we willing to submit to God no matter what the circumstance, no matter what he's asking of us? Am I willing to follow where God is leading me? See, God's formula for providing for us in the midst of a struggle often requires our humility Our obedience and our effort. And we saw that in the story of Abraham from last week of how Abraham was willing to the point where he's willing to be so obedient to God that he was willing to sacrifice his promised son Isaac on the altar as a burnt offering. Knowing that God, he was in control. And someone once said, God gives every bird its food but he doesn't throw the food in the nest. You see, there's got to be some willingness on our part to make some effort, to be obedient, to trust in God. And again, Abraham gave us that example, and we see that example in this life of this widow. Most of the time, in order for God to do what only God can do, he, he first expects us to do only what we can do. Are we willing to step out in faith? Are we willing, if we're in some financial trouble, to, to get rid of a streaming online service or multiple online streaming services? Are we willing to, to stop going out to eat as often as we do? Are we willing to sell maybe a nice vehicle that we currently drive in order to then buy another vehicle that's just as dependable but maybe it's older and cheaper? You know, what are we willing to do when it comes to getting in line financially with God? Are we willing to give back to God and His church even when money is tight? Because we are willing to be obedient to what God has called us to give. And this woman, this widow, she was told to humbly go to her neighbors and borrow as many empty jars as she could get. And I I just... Start to think about that. And Elisha, he makes sure to say, hey, don't just ask for a few jars. You know, make sure you get enough, okay? And all the while, I'm thinking about how she must have been so embarrassed maybe to like, can I borrow a couple jars? And her neighbors are thinking, for what? We know that you are financially strapped. Like, what are you going to use these jars for? Like, filling them with dirt? I, I, I can just imagine, like, why do you need these jars And yet she was willing to go and ask and do what God asked her to do. And I wonder this morning, what is God asking you to do? What sort of things is God asking you to do right now when it comes to everyday life? Some of you know what God is asking you to do, but you've been delaying. You've been holding out. You're like, I don't know. Think I don't know if it's the right time. I, I, I know that I should probably do this, but I don't know if I'm quite ready yet. And, and that's just straight up, still being disobedient. If we're delaying being obedient, then it's being disobedient. And if God is making something clear to you on what you should be doing. No matter how strange or how unusual or how illogical it may seem, when God says it, then we need to do it. Amen? And that leads us to the last, the fourth lesson I want us to learn from this widow. Is the fourth lesson is from her example, is that we must step out in faith, trusting that God will do his part See, because we have a part to play. We have to be submissively obedient to what God is calling us to do. But then we also just have to trust that God is going to do his part. And I just think about how once she's collected all these jars, she goes into her house. And behind closed doors, she begins to pour the little bit of oil out of her jar into the jars that she had borrowed. And by pouring oil from one jar into another, I thought about this idea. Wouldn't that, you know, it's kind of like trying to get shampoo out of the bottle, that last little bit. You leave it tipped upside down in the shower for weeks on end. I'm sure I'm the only one that does that because I've got to get the last little bit out. But if you took that and you started pouring it into another jar, now you have two jars that you're trying to get the last little bit out of, right? And, and so in her mind, she's thinking, why am I doing this, God? Why are you calling me to start dumping the very last little bit of oil from the jar that I have into a completely another jar? Now I'm not going to be able to get anything out of either one, really. And in human terms, we might think, God, wh- why, what are you asking me to do? It doesn't really even make any sense, I'm already hard up for money. Why are you asking me to give it away? Doesn't that make it more difficult? But with trust and obedience, the widow learned that if she did her part, then God would do his part. Her little bit of oil kept flowing. And it kept flowing. And I always just, I just try to imagine what that would really look like. You know, you're sitting in your house behind closed doors, and you have a little bit of oil. and stripping out, and it's pouring out. and just keeps pouring, looking in there. And you're like, what? How is that even possible? It just And it just keeps, and this jar gets filled. With, like, give me another jar, you know? And it's like, okay. You know, and it's, you're making a mess because it's pouring out. And I just, what, is, just the feeding of the 5,000, does that bread just keep like, you know, break it off? Whole loaf, you know, it is just God just provides in these situations, and and as she's filling it up, filling it up, it's the oil is flowing and flowing and flowing till the last of the jars are filled up. And I wonder if she kicked herself later for not collecting a few more jars, right? <laughs> like, oh man, and I think maybe that happens in our lives too, where we're like. I don't know if I really trust that this is going to happen. I'm going to step out, but I don't know. And and God comes through, and like, if I would have just really have just gone all in, man, how much more could have God have blessed in this situation? And when God wants to provide for us, he often requires us to take the first step. And not only is this true in your own personal lives, but in the life of this congregation I really believe God is going to call us to do some things that it's going to take some faith. We're going to have to step out and we're going to have to trust that God is going to do his part if we're willing to do our part. You just think about through the Bible, the Israelites were headed to the promised land, and they had to cross the Jordan River. If you remember, it was the leaders, the, those lead priests that had to take the first step into that raging water before it parted. And and as they crossed the Jordan, and they come to the first city, Jericho, and Joshua and the Israelites, they saw the walls of Jericho fall down, but first they they had to march around them for seven days. And all the while, I'm thinking, These guys have got to be wondering, why are we doing what we're doing? And yet when they're willing to step out, the walls came down. Remember how Nahum had to dip in the Jordan seven times, his willingness to go down seven times before he was cured? Remember how the blind man in John chapter 9 had to wash the mud that Jesus put on his eyes before he was healed from his blindness? You see, when God wants to provide... He often requires us to take the first step in faith and obedience. And so I wonder, are you being faithful and obedient when it comes to taking the first step in surrendering your finances over to God? Are you willing and able to just give it all over to Him? And maybe not even just your finances this morning, maybe your relationships, maybe your marriage. Maybe your job situation, maybe your family life, whatever is going on. Maybe it's your health or a health of a loved one. Whatever you're dealing with this morning, are you willing to be faithful and obedient when it comes to taking that first step of surrendering everything over to God? And so as the praise team comes this morning, I'm not saying that if you're here as a person of faith and you're facing a great financial dilemma I'm not saying that if you put your faith and 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 you put your faith in God that all of a sudden God is gonna somehow just miraculously provide everything that you're gonna need like He did in this widow's life, but what I am saying is that God is bigger than your troubles, God is bigger than your struggles, God can provide above and beyond and and even beyond what you could even begin to imagine as we have these posters on the side from Ephesians that said God can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine because he cares for you. Just as we as parents care for our kids, God cares for each and every one of you and he wants to take care of you. God not only provided for this widow's immediate needs, but he also made provision for her long-term needs as well. See, that's what God has done for us And I hope this morning that you know that God has a great retirement plan. All right? Okay? Social Security can't scratch it, and IRA can't match it, and the stock market can't crash it. Because He not only gives you an abundant life here, but He gives us eternal life. And so I just want to challenge us from 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 as we close out this morning. It says, Command those who are rich. In this present age, not to be haughty nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. And as I look out into the faces of this congregation, I think about the generosity of so many of you. I see in your eyes the truth of God's word where you know that everything we have is his, that we're just stewards, and that we have a responsibility in this life to to pour out into the lives of the people around us. And so may we as a church continue to step out in faith when it comes to our finances and trust that God is going to provide exactly what we need. And if you're coming this morning with a financial struggle or maybe some other struggle, we're going to sing a song of invitation, a song of commitment, a song where you can spend some time in meditation over what God is speaking to you about this morning. And if you need to come forward because you just need someone to talk to, someone to pray with you, maybe for the first time you're saying, I'm I'm tired of struggling on my own and I need Jesus in my life. What does that mean? What does that look like? We want to talk with you. We want to meet with you. We want to share what God's word says when it comes to all that. So if you have a decision to make this morning, will you come as we sing? Will you stand with us?